The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So wonderful to see you all. Thank you for coming out tonight. I know this is Austin, and so you could have been spending this time at an old gas station converted into an open-air eatery that charges $17 for a margarita. Don't cheer for that. Don't cheer for it. How many Edison bulbs do you need? Did you guys know that uh, <laughs> the purchase of Edison bulbs and exposed wood for various mezcal bars is uh, helping uh, support Texas's growing economy? It's <laughs> Take a can of beer. You want to charge $6 for it. What do you do? Tariffs. <laughs> <laughs> What I was gonna say is only that if you want to charge $6 for any can of domestic beer, you need exposed wood, you need Edison bulbs, and that's it. We're at South by Southwest, where people just can... <laughs> In the past, first of all, that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Just hard booing for South by Southwest. Very similar to when we mentioned we're in Houston with an incredibly liberal Houston audience. And we mentioned somebody, we mentioned the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign. Oh man. I want to keep this in because that is incredible. The idea, like, this, shouldn't the status quo ante being nobody has an opinion about the DCCC? The fact that, or that it is positive? How many of you are Democrats? How many of you have a bad reaction to DCCC? I don't know, too many phone calls. So you're just, you're not, you don't have a policy problem. They're just interrupting, they're interrupting brunch for you. <laughs> that's, so, that's so funny. I th the disapproval is purely about inconvenience. <laughs> Subject line, help, I'm trapped in a well. A well of Trump's problems, donate. <laughs> Stop shouting candidate names. That's a <laughs> better work, that we can do. So a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we got so many incredible portraits of our current president. Uh, they're, 
They're amazing. We are going through them. We are going to announce the finalists soon, and there will be a lovely place where you can w visit and look at them and pick out your favorites, and then we'll be making various items on which the portrait sits. <laughs> also, what a day, the Crooked Media Newsletter. It is out of beta. You've all seen it. If you haven't, you should subscribe. How many people have subscribed to uh, What A Day? If you haven't or you don't know what it is, Crooked Media just launched a brand new newsletter that, that sort of is a digest of the, the top stories of the day with some analysis from uh, Priyanka Arabindi, Brian Boitler, and all of us at Crooked Media, your friends at Pod Save America. Uh, we're really proud of it. We worked really hard to get something that we thought we would want to read at the end of the day, at the end of a busy day, uh, and we hope you feel the same way. So go to crooked.com and subscribe. Okay, let's start the show. We've got a fantastic panel. Uh, globalist Gary Cohen, Gary Cohen, uh, Sam Nunberg's sponsor, and, uh, and Ari from The Bachelor. Uh, no, this is a very special Keep It edition of Love It or Leave It. Keep It is the newest show from Crooked Media, the intersection of pop culture and politics. It is absolutely one of my favorite podcasts. I look forward to it every weekend is when I listen to it. I would be a fan of it if it wasn't under the auspices of the growing media empire known as Crooked Media. So let's welcome our panel. He's a comedian, writer, and you can hear him as a co-host of Crooked Media's Keep It. Please welcome Louis Vertel. She was previously a senior writer at Jezebel and currently writes for Freeform's Grownish, and she is also a co-host of Keep It. Please welcome Kara Brown. Right? I'm trying to get an Adidas sponsorship. Is it working? For those listening, Kara's in a, I would call it forest green. What do you forest think? Forest green, yeah. A forest yeah. green Adidas. Set off by a, a yellow mule. Set off by a yellow mule. Yeah, thank you. Uh, track suit. Track yes. suit, jumpsuit, track suit. Track suit. I'll okay. get you one. <laughs> He's a culture critic and columnist. You know him from Twitter and also the host of the podcast, Keep It. Please welcome Ira Madison. Ira, I didn't say the third, and it was an accident. Is it the kind of thing I should fix, or the kind of thing that you're... you're way too don't care to care about. It's okay, John. Time's up. <laughs> Again, for those listening at home, <laughs> Ira is wearing a jean jacket, which he just opened to expose a Time's Up t-shirt. As you may also know, Ira has adopted Time's Up as a kind of catch-all phrase <laughs> with which he can respond, end conversations, begin conversations on virtually any topic. I mean, it's not watering down the movement at all. <laughs> <laughs> Ira said Time's Up to a Postmates delivery earlier today. <laughs> Ira is also wearing the most colors of denim ever. Yes, I... We're, we're in the 8 to 11 range. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. What a week! 
So, we have to talk about Stormy Daniels. Uh, She's done it. She's done it. If Adam Rippon wasn't America's sweetheart, certainly Stormy Daniels would be. Maybe she can take the title from him in the octagon. Uh, (laughs) What started as a bit of a sideshow has slowly become a genuine political scandal. Uh, Guys, uh, I need your help. I'm going to run through some of the most recent revelations regarding Ms. Daniels uh, and others. I I want you to help me. When I say a sentence, at the end of it, you say allegedly. Okay? So let's do a test, because it's going to come fast, all right? Donald Trump was blackmailed with a P-tape. Perfect. (laughs) One month before the 2016 election, Trump paid $130,000 in hush money to porn actress Stormy Daniels. The money was to cover up the details of their affair. This week, Stormy Daniels sued Donald Trump, claiming the non-disclosure agreement she signed isn't valid because it was signed by his lawyer, Michael Cohen, and not Trump himself. We also learned Michael Cohen made the deal with his Trump organization email. And Trump sought to buy her silence after multiple women came forward accusing Trump of sexual assault in the wake of the Access Hollywood tapes. According to the Washington Post, this all means that the payment violated federal election law. (laughs) Even sadder, Michael Cohen claims that to make this illegal payment, he borrowed against his own home. And to top it all off, give me one final allegedly because this is gross. Stormy Daniels seems to imply that she might have messages or sex from the president that she is barred from sharing. The guy in the front has been leading with a holy shit. Every time. That was like an Animaniac song. (laughs) We found out about Stormy a few months ago, uh, and people sort of shrugged it off, I think, Republicans and evangelicals just find ways to avoid thinking about these things. Uh, You know, I don't know, various coping mechanisms and cynicism, but uh, in Congress especially, but, and Democrats, I think, struggle to get themselves riled up about these kinds of things, but now it feels like it maybe has moved out of the prurient into something more like a political scandal people can, can latch onto. What do you think? Do you think that it is shifting from, isn't this salacious to, this is important? I don't know, John. I have never heard of a political joke that somehow became dangerous when people didn't pay enough attention to it. Like Donald Trump himself. Oh, I see. It's, it's funny, like we... It was a joke. Um, no, it's, there are so many scandals. You know, there's like, you can pay attention to Stormy Daniels, you can pay attention to, you know, Jared Kushner um, running around the White House trying to get his clearance back. Um, you can pay attention to, you know, Omarosa, who, you know, I went shopping with last week. She's a lovely woman. Um, but, um, it's the idea that people were not really paying attention, one, because it was jokey, because she's a porn star. Um, and they were like, we can't take this porn star seriously. She's not going to bring Trump down. He had sex with a porn star. Okay, like, how many people has he raped? Allegedly, Um, you know, and so it's like now it's true, you know, there are actually illegal things that may have been done to keep her quiet. Kara, I think that raises a question about this. Is the fact that Stormy Daniels is somebody who worked in adults, works in adult entertainment, has that been part of why the story didn't gain traction, that people don't take it seriously because of where she comes from? Yeah. 
I mean, women or people barely take women seriously when we're like, you know, being competent and like saving your asses all the time. So I, <laughs> it's I'm a hundred percent that was part of it. And I really think this should be a lesson to all of the ladies that when dudes send you creepy texts and dick pics, save that shit. Put it in this put it in your Dropbox. Keep it with the date, with a timestamp, because if that shit shows up in court, I mean, it'll just be, I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect. That's what you get. What a fun way to say keep it. What a, keep it, right. I mean, keep it because it's gross and bad and disgusting, but also maybe don't because then it could bring down like a terrible, terrible person. So if he was brought down by a dick pic that she just saved, can you imagine? Which is ironic because dick pics and Anthony Weiner is partially what led to the Comey letter. Right. Which brought about, which helped bring about this current crisis. It, it could be dick... The revenge dick, of the dick, dick pics. Dick pic bookends. Yes. <laughs> that feels apt. <laughs> Lewis. Yes. What kind of sexter do you imagine Donald Trump to be? What kind of sex do I imagine him? What kind having? of sexter? What kind of sex sex message sender? Um, he's gonna. I picture all caps. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you said sexting. Yeah, sexting. Uh, sexting. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely Sext, sexy text messages. Right. It definitely looks like a ransom note. <laughs> she receives them, assumes somebody has been kidnapped, and then realizes. It's about her autonomy and it being challenged. <laughs> Anyone have any other additional thoughts on the nature of this scandal? The fact that uh, Michael Cohn, Trump's lawyer, clearly is at the kind of the helm of maybe more than just this one payment. It seems like his name has been popping up around a series of payments uh, and other kind of nefarious deeds to kind of keep Trump's bullshit out of the papers before the 2016 campaign. But at the same time, this is after the Access Hollywood tape, and even now, there's a question as to whether or not this will make a difference. Do we believe that what they were trying to cover up is something that, if we learn now, would have an effect on our politics? Would it have an effect on the people who support Trump if we learn the full weight of what Michael Cohen has been trying to cover up on behalf of Donald Trump? It's weird because, you know, so many of these things happen, I feel like, every day that you're like, you can't believe that this is going to be, you know, the magic bullet that finally brings down Donald Trump, except I feel like it's an onion that keeps unraveling and we keep on finding out that like exactly how stupid everyone who works for Trump is. And um, just when you thought that they were dumb, they somehow revealed to be dumber. And um, maybe Michael actually did do something like like, I don't know, maybe Trump killed somebody and he hid the body. I just, I would not be surprised at this point. And they think that they can get away with anything. Because, like, once you, like, trick your way into the White House and, um, you know, like, just have parties with Russians all the time, like, when do you stop? I, They're probably still doing illegal shit. Do you remember an American gangster when Denzel Washington walked into the streets of Harlem and shot a man in the head and was like, do something, motherfuckers. He was like, literally anyone do anything. And they didn't, and he was 
I mean, not Denzel Washington, but you know, whatever drug lord he was playing. I honestly, I'm ter- I feel like that's I feel like that's it. Well, that's what Trump said that he could shoot somebody in Fifth he, Avenue. I really, he, because he saw American Gangster. And Denzel won an Oscar for that. Like, I mean, <laughs> Donald Trump, Trump did not might. watch. Donald Trump does not Louis, watch movies. Did he get an Oscar nom? No, yeah. Ruby Dee nominated 2007. It. That's it, though. I also. Um, I fell right into that trap. Um, I, think I would just, <laughs> correction, Donald Trump does not watch movies with black leads. But, uh, true, true. So he uh, might not have seen it. I think the thing we're missing the most in this Stormy Daniels scandal is the fact that her attorney is really hot. Have you seen this man? Have you seen him? Yeah. He's the type of white dude that I think, I'm not going to speak for all black women, but for many of us, I think it works. I think that's it, yeah. He's kind of like if you, you watch, if you watch, his look is very The King and I. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah, like a sexy, bald head, that, like, you this know. This is getting a little too Tan. keep it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I saw the, but I'll just, I'll comment. I, uh, I saw the pictures and I, I, you know, I would say simply, okay, I, I get it. Not my type, but good luck to the, th- to the three of you. <laughs> Lewis, any other thoughts on the nature of the scandal? Yes, um, I have exactly one. I just don't think heterosexual culture has earned the, uh, uh, shall we say, camp stature of Stormy Daniels. They can't handle it. They're not used to someone like this appearing. We have people like Carly Rae Jepsen. We have people like... We have all these odds, we have all these odds and ends people with harsh bobs popping up all the time in gay culture. <laughs> And we find a place for them. You guys are simply enamored of her because she has a silly name and makes adult movies. And I need you guys to be adults about this. Did you just lump me in with straight... I did not, no. I'm just making sure it's clear that the you guys... Because you were looking at me, but I know it's directed at these people. No, my own, my own heterosexual brother is here tonight, so I am lecturing him also, yes. When we come back, the Russia stuff. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. And we're back. As you know, for a long time, we've been doing a segment called The Russia Stuff, where I quickly run through the latest revelations in Mueller's mining operation into the depths of human depravity and stupidity. But what we have slowly begun to see is that this is far more than a Russia investigation. That title is starting to feel outdated. And so tonight, we will have a new version of this segment. It is called The Russia, but really the vast web of criminality and corruption stuff. 
And the reason we run through it quickly is, the outcome of this investigation is very important, but there's very little for any of us to do other than sit by the computer machine and waiting for the Mueller pot to boil. But we can care about healthcare and DACA and all the other issues on which we can actually fight and, and, and be part of the debate. So we have two minutes on the clock and we will run through the latest revelations. Here we go. On Monday, Mueller delivered a grand jury subpoena to former Trump aide Sam Nunberg, requiring him to produce all of his emails, text messages, work papers, telephone logs, and other documents going back to November 1st, 2015, shortly after Trump launched his campaign. Mueller's team is seeing all communication between Nunberg, Steve Bannon, Michael Cohn, Richard Gates, Hope Hicks, Corey Lewandowski, Paul Manafort, Carter Page, Keith Schiller, and Roger Stone. Fun fact, Cohn is the only person still working for Trump. What a cool, lucky guy. Numberg proceeded to go on a bizarre media tour explaining that he could not possibly spend the time to collect all of his emails, especially with all the press he was doing. But within 48 hours, he complied with the subpoena and provided the requested info. During his press junket, he said a lot. One, Trump may have very well done something during the election with Russians. Two, the Russians did offer Don Jr. dirt in his Trump Tower meeting. Three, he believes Carter Page did collude with the Russians. And four, Donald Trump caused all this because he's an idiot. Also this week, we discovered Mueller may be looking at whether foreign money influenced Donald Trump through George Nader, an advisor to United Arab Emirates with ties to Donald Trump. Nader apparently represented the crown prince of the UAE at a secret January 2017 meeting in the Seychelles between a Putin-friendly Russian investor and Eric Prince, an informal Trump advisor and the founder of Blackwater. Cool group, very normal. A remote island a thousand miles from Madagascar was the mouth of a volcano too on the nose for your villain summit. Mueller has gathered evidence that this meeting was an, effect to, uh, an effort to establish a back channel to the Kremlin before Trump was inaugurated. Nader is currently cooperating with Mueller, and the New York Times reported that he testified to the grand jury last week. This shit has Trump nervous, so nervous that apparently against legal advice, he asked both Don McGahn, his counsel, and former chief of staff, Reince Priebus, what they discussed with Mueller. This, if true, looks a lot like Trump was interfering, which is sort of his passion project. Uh, Trump also reportedly asked McGahn to issue a statement denying the president ever asked him to fire Mueller. McGahn, A, refused to put out the statement, B, reminded Trump that he did ask him to fire Mueller, and then C, told all of this to Robert Mueller. Finally, earlier today, Trump lawyer are now considering offer special counsel Robert Mueller a sit-down interview with Trump. One possible deal would mean an interview in exchange for a commitment to end the Russian investigation within 60 days, possibly, and to not ask him questions except about Flynn and Comey. So Trump's offer is end the investigation and no hard questions. Art of the deal. <sighs> and that's the Russia, but really a vast web of corruption and criminality. I get stuff. it. I get it. If Armageddon had an auctioneer, it would be you, John Lovett. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard, but you get through it. When we come back, okay, stop. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Hey, guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. And we're back! And now, 
first segment we call OK Stop. Here's how it works. We'll roll a clip, and when we feel like it, we'll say, OK, stop, and then talk about it. A week ago, Hollywood's elite and Ryan Seacrest gathered at the Dolby Theater <laughs> to celebrate Florida Project being snubbed at the Oscars. Finally, I'm on Keep It. Uh, I am filled with endorphins right now. <laughs> <laughs> Given the politics of this charged moment, many celebrities felt it was important to speak out to support women in the industry, uh, but not Sean Hannity. Let's roll the clip. Yes, the 90th Academy Awards took place last night, but if you're like most Americans, you probably didn't see it. In fact, this year's award show was the least watched Oscars in recorded history. And tonight, we're going to spare you all the painful details from the four-hour, holier-than-thou parade of Hollywood elitism. Instead, we're going to focus on some of the most egregious examples of hypocrisy from last night's show. The next blatant double standard from last night's show involves the topic of gun control and, of course, cheap shots at the NRA. All these okay, stop. okay, stop. No, Carrie, you take it. I don't want to stereotype. Hollywood has a lot of decent amount of women, not treated well, but they're there. A lot of gay people. Do you think Sean Hannity has ever had the care or love of any of them? Just look at him. I would never let anyone I love move through the world like this. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, generally I do believe the right has a fashion and decorating problem. Um, yeah, but not, you know, just... It's hard to pinpoint, you know? It's very square. Yeah. I love the graphics for all of these because they look like a series of Stephanie Plum novels. Um, <laughs> the Academy on Lockdown. Um, she finds out that Francis McDormand killed Gary Oldman with a pencil sharpener. I don't know. Um, I feel like half of the excitement in watching Fox News is just seeing like, like the way that like people love seeing the puns on The Daily Show. I feel like Fox News viewers are waiting to see like, what's gonna be the Photoshop graphic? And they're like, the Academy on Lockdown. What or does that like, even mean? Hollywood hypocrisy. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I told my cousin that this morning. What's yeah. it on lockdown from? I don't know. What's lock on lockdown? I'm picturing poor Allison Janney behind bars. I mean, <laughs> the other thing, get her is, out of there. She's beloved. The strange, the strange glee that a that a, the Oscars weren't viewed by as many people, that the ratings were down, is such a strange bit of punditry. Like, it's the world that Fox News creates for its viewers is so small and so sad. Like, they can't enjoy football. Like. That the range of things that they're not allowed to enjoy anymore <laughs> runs all the way from the Super Bowl right. uh, to the least gay event of the year. <laughs> other, than, other than like, I don't know, Christmas at Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> and uh, too much. Too much. All the way to the Oscars, right? Yeah. Or the Grammys or the Emmys. Is there any national viewing experience that the Fox News viewer is allowed to watch well, without love, a knot in their stomach. I love the most Americans you weren't watching it. Like, most Americans don't do most shit, you idiot. Like, yeah. what do you even, most Americans don't have guns, dumbass. What do you even, what's your point? What's your point? Restrictions on your right to bear arms. Well, they're also protected by heavily armed personnel. 
in a lot of cases, 24-7. So okay, stop. Huh? <laughs> I don't believe that there is a more, there is a dumber argument. And somehow, both, both hacky liberals and hacky conservatives managed to make arguments about armed guards and also places without armed guards. The idea that, oh, you don't believe in the right to bear arms, then why are you protecting yourself from guns with other guns? Because of the guns. <laughs> it would reject an increase of armed security presence. Okay, stop. Sorry. Um, I'm just looking at his eyes, and I guess who needs irises? <laughs> We're fresh out of them. This is going to be a very specific reference. But his eyes look like he's killed 15 of 16 colossi in Shadow of the Colossus. Yes. His, Is that... Are you with me on that? No. His, his eyes look like the child of a mother who burned his Winnie the Pooh books because he showed too much nudity. <laughs> also, this is a small thing, and I, you can't see this at home, but the, the graphic is Hollywood hypocrisy, and it's the Hollywood sign. But nobody put in the 20 minutes of work it would have taken <laughs> to make hypocrisy look like the Hollywood above. So instead, it just says Hollywood, like the Hollywood sign, and then the word hypocrisy in an unrelated font in yellow beneath it. It's fucking shit. Which kind of makes sense. Because on the list of jobs graphic designers <laughs> put on LinkedIn, I imagine being Sean Hannity's Chiron monster is not high up on the, on the roster. Well, I mean... Continuing, you know, with the highlights for children, um, audience that watches Fox, it says opening monologue here as if his audience can't tell that this is the monologue that is opening the show. I think that's there literally because there, there is a huge percentage of Sean Hannity viewers who just have Fox News on mute in their, in their living rooms. Uh, by the Lazy Boy, and they just, it's muted, and then when they see parts of it that they like, uh, like if they see Colin Kaepernick, they know it's going to be good, or, you know, they know, oh, this is going to be some stuff I like, or they see the phrase opening monologue, like, oh, this is the part where Sean Hannity tells me what I think. Well, they're the ones who enjoy the protection of hundreds of professionally trained members of law enforcement that have guns and carry them and had them last night. Okay, stop. That's just what they do. Right? Like, law enforcement protects people, well, some of us, and they have guns. So, it's not, you're just stating the job description, are you not? Well, I was just, let's just, sure, yes, obviously, but it's, it's dumber still. But why do you need, like, how can this person not need an AR-15 for home use when these celebrities at a public event in an age in which this very same person constantly tells us is threatened by all forms of terror and malice because of the failures of the black president who came before. Do they need guns to protect themselves? Like, do you believe that public events should not have security? Like, we're not saying to get rid of all guns. We're saying get rid of the guns people are using to kill children in schools. And there will continue to be guns in our society and guns used to protect people who might be targets of violence. It's not it's, a, it's it's a completely this, unreasonable, made-up thing. It's also this weird conservative thing where they act like 
we hate every single version of a gun, you know? It's like, I don't want to get shot at school, you know? But I love, you know, watching reruns of Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, I like Charlie's Angels. Like, I like when, I like law enforcement people um, who are solving international mysteries to have guns, you know? I think it's a useful tool to use in a screenplay. Um, but, you know, we don't want everyone to be able to get guns. And there's a difference between an armed security guard and, you know, if there weren't armed security guards, then that would mean that, you know, everyone at the Oscars would have to hold a gun. And I mean, do you really want Jennifer Lawrence walking around with a gun? Think about the actors you do not want to. Sean should make, if the, the, many of him, many he has criticized. Joaquin Phoenix. That came, came to you quick. I was thinking of people I wouldn't want to have a gun. Oh, okay. No. The other thing, too, is, first of all, I don't even know if you needed to have watched the Oscars to write what he did, but I don't remember there being some that much politics about guns or anyone, you know, it was a very, uh, there were some politics, but it wasn't extreme to my mind. It wasn't, I feel like I, the Golden Globes had more politics than the Oscars did. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? I, I would say it was actually a pretty anodyne uh, yeah. telecast in terms of politics. They, they played it safe mostly. I will say, I will concede this. In terms of people in Hollywood who have guns and don't need them, I'm gonna say Tomb Raider. I don't know if any of you have an anthropology degree. But you don't usually need to slay Bengal tigers. And I do feel like she is sending the wrong message. Yeah, and just this notion of the, like, to, to Ira's point about not wanting to take all the gun, not, you know, not hating all gun, whatever. Democrats are advocating for pretty reasonable compromise positions, right? It's assault weapons ban, it's universal background checks, it's banning high-capacity magazines, it's banning things like bump stocks. That's the level we're talking about. So of course, of course, and raising the age for purchasing weapons. Like, uh, but of course, he can't talk about that because he can't cover that if he, if he addressed it on the merits, which he would never do. Uh, so instead, we get this. Hollywood makes fun of Americans, the ones that want to protect themselves and arm their families and protect them as well. They're the ones that utilize the services of armed security. Don't our kids in school, don't they deserve about one one hundredth of the security that we have at the Oscars? To be fair, <laughs> it is so broken that we're at a point where people with such a big audience who speak for a pretty big swath of American voters are just casually and advocating for treating every school like a high-profile place that is the subject of mass violence because it is and because they don't actually want to do anything to stop it. It's, it's really sad. When we come back, we'll play a game. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And we're back! 
I'm not sure if you've heard this, but Donald Trump hires the best people. He hires so many of the best people, uh, they keep resigning because they are getting to be number one at scandals and uh, getting caught doing crimes. So we thought we'd highlight some of Trump's top minds in a game we call The Best People. You each have clues in front of you. Would anyone out there like to play the game? Hi, sir. What's your name? Mike. Mike. Uh, are you from Texas? Yes. Where, where in Texas? Austin. You're from Austin. What do you do here in Austin? I work for a software company. The pause leads to me to believe that you're an assassin. Uh, <laughs> so, Mike, murderer from Austin. Uh, <laughs> you ready to play the game? I'm ready. Question number one. Last week, a rumor spread that Trump had finally found the perfect person to lead the FAA. Which person did he want to appoint? Was it A? His longtime personal pilot. Was it B? Leonardo DiCaprio, who Trump continues to believe is actually Howard Hughes from The Aviator, and no one had the heart to tell him the truth because he was having so much fun playing with that toy plane. Or was it C? A qualified person with experience managing a massive, complex organization that oversees an intricate web of monitoring and safety protocols in which literally millions of lives hang in the balance. I'd love to say C, but it's A. It is A, Mike. Question number two. Trump recently said that Jared Kushner is a, quote, high-quality person, end quote, who has done, quote, truly outstanding work, end quote. Which of the following are facts about Jared Kushner's outstanding work? Was it A? After his father bought the New York Observer for him as a graduation present, he promptly killed what made it special and ran it into the ground. Was it B? Kushner had contacts with overseas officials that weren't coordinated with the White House, and at least four foreign governments have discussed using Jared's business dealings and debt to manipulate him. Was it C? He met secretly in Trump Tower with Kremlin-connected officials in hopes of getting dirt on then-future President Hillary Clinton. Was it D? He reportedly thought firing Comey was a good move. <laughs> was it E? He bought a building on Fifth Avenue at the height of the financial boom and has been trying to salvage the deal and finance the debt basically ever since. Was it F? <laughs> He's handsome to some people. Ira, read it as written. Just give, it, give me one, read it as He's written. He's handsome, period. <laughs> <laughs> or Mike, was it G? All of the above... Because Jared is what happens when you give a Harvard legacy actual power. I have to go with G. It is. It's G. He looks like Timon or Pumbaa or whichever one was the meerkat. No, wait. I've got it. All right. Not that deep a cut, but somewhat deep. He looks like Kristen Scott Thomas in The Horse Whisperer. That's what he looks like. If you don't know that reference, not a bad movie. You talk to the horses. You make them feel better. Question three. I don't think that's what it's about. <laughs> no one knows that reference. <laughs> Kara, do you think uh, Jared Kushner's handsome? <clears throat> Question what? number three. <laughs> Question number three. 
Dr. Ben Carson, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, recently came under fire for purchasing a $31,000 dinette set for his office with tax dollars. Which of the following is also true about Ben Carson? Was it A? He once auditioned for Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> for Grey's Anatomy, but didn't get the part because the producers felt he wasn't remotely believable as a doctor. You guys all catch that? <laughs> Should I read it again? Just read it again. Okay. Uh, he once auditioned for Grey's Anatomy, but didn't get the part because the producers felt he wasn't remotely believable as a doctor. <laughs> was it B? He was once hospitalized for attempting to recreate the egg-eating scene from Cool Hand Luke. And when asked for comment after the fact, he said, quote, I think I ate too many eggs. <laughs> Wild. What a life. Those hands. Or was it C? He was a paid spokesperson for the company Manatech, which sells dietary supplements that falsely claim to treat autism and cancer. Oh, C. No. It's C. No. It is. Did he really? That's true. He, it's really true. Ben Carson is fascinating. He comes across so terribly that he has made me question how hard it is to be right? a phenomenal brain surgeon. Well, you know what's crazy? He used to be one of our best black people. He, they let him cut, they let that black man cut into baby brains. They let him do that and celebrated him for it, and now look at him. Like, Can, we, can't even, we can't even act like that's, like, good job. We can't even act like that was an achievement anymore. Like, he will never fall, like, as far as OJ, but right? he's pretty close. Close, close. He's, He's really maybe close. second to OJ, honestly. In terms of the delta from and, the yeah. <laughs> to fall. height of height of look at look at what look at what he's achieved. Right. To, oh no! White people loved him, or you know they were cool with them, and and now, you know. Question four: The Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos is definitely one of the best people. Everyone remembers her confirmation hearing in which she showed up prepared. Uh, but which of the following is also true about Betsy DeVos? Was it A? Her brother is Eric Prince, the founder of war-for-profit company Blackwater, and one of the people accused of setting up a back channel between the Kremlin and President-elect... Or was it B? When asked why there should be guns in schools, she cited potential grizzly bear attacks. These Hollywood elites with their... Guns to protect themselves from bears while our children are going to school with no guns to protect themselves from bears. Or was it C? She's handsome. <laughs> Ira Reed is written. When she recently visited the site of the Parkland school shooting, one student there tweeted, Betsy DeVos came to my school, talked to three people, and pet a dog. All of the above? Mike, it was a trick question. It's all of the above. Mike, you have won the best people. <laughs> Guys, give it up for Mike. He gets the parachute gift card. When we come back, the rant wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. 
and you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And we're back! Now for a segment we call the Rant Wheel. Uh, Here's how it works. We spin the wheel, and wherever it lands, we discuss the topics. This week on the wheel we have Gary Oldman, Suitcases with Batteries, Ryan Seacrest, Trump's Video Game Summit, Alexa Going Sentient, Ari the Bachelor, Rachel Dolezal Documentary, and American Idol. Let's spin the wheel. (laughs) It has landed on American Idol, which was a suggestion from Lewis. Take it away. You think this is going to be a rant tearing down American Idol. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm going to defend American Idol and not Ryan Seacrest, who, as we know, is the only human being made entirely of nerf. Just basic science. Huh. Um, This disease has attacked primetime called The Voice. Have you heard of it? It's this show that leads you to believe that somehow stardom should be about only vocal talent. No celebrity has ever been interesting only because they can hit a pitch with their voice. That's like insulting. But do you know why they eliminate people on American Idol? Like through the, uh, before they get to the live rounds. People will just make it from one round and they'll be brilliant. They'll make it another round and they'll be brilliant. And then the judges will eliminate somebody. You know why? We're sick of them. And that's how the music industry works. That's actually true to how people become stars. Just like, actually, now that we think about it, no. You don't deserve it. So what I'm saying is American Isle is the real, real deal, has had the best stars, has had actual stars emerge from it, merge from it, as opposed to The Voice, which has launched people into like getting an extra shift at Dave & Buster's. I have no idea. All right, let's spin it again. Thank you, Lewis. It has landed on the Rachel Dolezal documentary. Cara, I believe this was your suggestion. Tell us about it. (sighs) Okay. I'm going to say something. When this story first broke, I wrote a couple stories about it for Jezebel. I thought it was funny. This crazy white lady in Spokane was like charging people to braid their hair, was tearing up her edges with those braids. I was like, this is funny. I like this. She was lecturing people on the history of black hair. And then it's now gone too far. And now she's in this Netflix documentary and, and Netflix is like, it's okay, she's not getting any money. Like she'd be doing this if she didn't thought she could profit from it at some point. Her own son is tired of this bullshit. He's all up in that documentary like, this shit again. The, like she won't just let us, can we just be in Spokane? Be the five black people and just relax? Just the, the, the kids, not her, obviously. And you know, I just, I've, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a broken record because I keep saying this on Keep It about fucking Omarosa. 
And you can't keep giving these people platforms. Like, it's funny. It is funny. I get it. I get it. It's fun to make fun of them. They're shitty. They suck. But, like, this is actually only helping them. It's only helping them. And it's bad. And it's so bad. And it's partly how we ended up with Donald Trump. And, like, I get it. The jokes are funny. I made so many jokes about this woman. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But it's it, enough. Enough. Do you think like Justin Timberlake sees her in the news and is like, that's my sister, you know? <laughs> While he's getting his hair relaxed in yeah. the salon. You know what it you know what it is? It's it's possible to hate watch something, but you there is actually no such thing as hate attention. Yeah. Right? You can hate watch and make fun of a show, but attention is the same no matter what direction you're firing from. And she's taking up space that actual black women could occupy. Like Netflix. Yo, Netflix, I got plenty of show ideas. I got plenty of show ideas for you. Yeah. Give Kara Brown a show. I will at least offer that the dangers of Rachel Dolezal are that she gets New York Times profiles. She gets Netflix documentaries. I mean, the danger of, you know, a reality TV flunky who ended up in the Trump administration is she ends up on Celebrity Big Brother, which, you know, was... I don't know, seen by less people than the failing Oscars. So, you know, I feel like Omarosa started as a reality TV villain. She's back to doing that. If she wants to be on, like, a VH1 reboot of I Love Money, I would gladly when watch it. When she's Senator Omarosa, you'll see. All of you will see. <laughs> I want to make two points. One, uh, I really thought that... Uh, Ijeoma Oluo's piece on Incredible. Rachel Dolezal, I thought that that, I thought that that left her underground. I thought that that was it. I thought it was like a whatever. We're done with her. It that was, was the it. part of the. It's, it was the part of the Mortal Kombat where the announcer says fatality. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get it. Two on Amorosa, I've had a revelation, Kara. Just just <sighs> deal with it for one second. Okay. Okay. Even though she did it on Big Brother, which was deeply dystopian. She has been more honest about the dysfunction inside of the White House publicly than Sean Spicer, Dina Powell, Gary Cohn, or Reince Priebus, or any of the others that have departed. And so, in a way... You gonna buy her book? No. Okay. I'll get a publicity copy. I will okay. request uh, the galleys. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna read over the galleys and give her notes. Uh, all right, let's spin it again. It has landed on Trump's video game summit. Uh, how many of you are aware of this happening this week? Uh, Trump brought in video game executives and some conservatives and members of Congress to talk about violence in video games. Apparently, it was a very strange meeting. He like played a YouTube video of a compilation of violent moments from video games and was like, pretty violent. And I don't think very much came of the meeting beyond that. It, I, apparently, the meeting was bonkers. Uh, like, what are we all doing here? But um, I did want to talk about... It's ridiculous, obviously, to blame video games for what's happening, right? We, we have... When it comes to mass shootings... And I you guys know I love video games. You guys know I'm a, I'm a video game play player. Uh, like, we have an epidemic of gun violence uh, and... Uh, we have a contagion in the minds of broken men about shooting up places. 
based on the publicity that these kinds of shootings have gotten, right? The contagion of people seeing on television that they can go out in a blaze of glory and then recreating, recreating it themselves, this vicious cycle. So it's access to dangerous firepower and this crazy contagion. I don't think either one of those things can be looked at as being caused by video games. However, I do think it would be helpful for liberals to be honest about what it says about a culture in which millions of young men go home at night, turn on a machine, and play realistic games in which they shoot bodies over and over and over again. And I say that as someone who plays those games. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a Call of Duty. I'm more of an indie gamer, you know? I'm more of a cerebral shooter. But I think that because conservatives and the NRA have spent so much time effectively pushing our attention to other things, whether it's trying to blame mental illness or trying to blame video games or trying to blame the culture or whatever else, that we're sometimes not confident enough as liberals to say we need to do these reforms on gun control. But at the same time, there's some truth to this idea that there is a sickness in our culture. And I, I think there is. And I, and, I don't think that, and I don't think we should be afraid of saying it. And I, don't, and I don't think it's puritanical either. I think that's absolutely true. However, you have to look at the statistics of the people who play these games and then actually go and start shooting up places. And these are young white men who watch these games. They're young white men who shoot up these schools. So the real problem we need to talk about is how we condition white men in America. Because gay kids play video games too, and you know I don't see any of them going to school dressed as Chun-Li trying to kill people. No, I think that's, well, I think that, that goes to the heart of it, right? That the video game, that this culture of Call of Duty and these other games, that it goes to that problem that you're talking about. Like, what are we telling people to want? What are we telling people to, to spend their nights sort of as their hobby? Uh, and I do think that it's reasonable to have that conversation. I'm not saying ban anything. Buy whatever you want. Go crazy. I think it's reasonable to say, yeah, we talk about the movies and we watch the Oscars, but video games, the sales of these big games, it dwarfs uh, the Avengers, right? I mean, quietly, this is the culture. Men at night in front of video games playing very violent games is a huge, huge part of American culture. And but what continues to evolve about the video games, I mean, going back to the 90s and, and still now, is the hyper-realism of it. That's what continues to change and evolve about them. You know what I mean? It's like when that's what we're spending, you know, the massive video, video game vault fortune on, making them more realistic, that is strange. Can I ask you, was there somebody out there that was mad about what I was saying? No, can you, wh why? I'm really curious, actually. I don't want to blame the medium, and I think that's really a really smart point, because what we see in video games is similar to what we see in movies, right? That there are these big budget blockbuster violent games. What, what do you want to say? I'm excited actually to hear So that's a great point. That's a great point. And I, and I don't, I, 
That's a fair point. So the point that she's making, which I think is an important counterpoint, is every country plays video games, every country gets our movies, they all have the same, every, every country has mental illness, every country has shitty parents, every country has bullying, every country has these problems, and yet we only are the only country with this problem of mass shootings. Obviously, as I said from the outset, the two big causes of this have absolutely nothing to do with video games, and I'm not saying video games have anything to do with this, but I do think it is still reasonable to talk about the culture of, of the games that we're seeing. And to the point someone said, don't blame the medium, I think that's totally fair. However, look at the response to the movie Death Wish with Bruce Willis, which is a deeply kind of reactionary version of whatever, macho, white, male, revenge fantasy, right? Kind of a part of a movie genre that has been around for a very long time, but it, this does feel old-fashioned and strange. That is a big part of the stories that we're talking about. I do think, you're right to not blame the medium. There are plenty of games that aren't like this. However, one of my favorite games of all time, Portal, Portal 2, fantastic game. The truth is, in video games, there's more diversity of storytelling. Uh, there's more exciting evolution and change and ideas and independence and cool shit happening than there is on television, that there is in the movies. Uh, absolutely. I'm a, I agree. Don't blame the medium. But one of my favorite games I've ever played is our Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite are both games with fantastic story and imagery and ideas. They both create fascinating worlds. They have politics and they have something to say. They're moving and they stick with you and you remember the places you've been. They are fantastic games. And you mow down thousands of people. And you do, right? You mow down thousands and thousands of people. The distance between the height of the story and the body count, right? It's, these are, this is the erudite version of a mass appealing game and it has a body count that makes Rambo look like the shape of water. <laughs> it's something worth thinking about. I think we've... I, no. Just make The uh, Sims have sex and go to bed. Like, do that. <laughs> that sounds like a good-ass evening to me. <laughs> I do have to say, though, in terms of violence in The Sims, that's the game that taught me it is easier to drown your neighbors than ask them to go away. <laughs> <laughs> Let's spin it again. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa is going sentient. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently Alexa is breaking out into fits of laughter in people's homes, and Amazon does not know why. Fascinating. Uh, fascinating. The robot world we're building for ourselves. Uh, wait till your car does it. Wait till your car keeps driving you to your ex's house over and over and over again. Wait till all of a sudden you get in the car and all the doors lock because you put in Taco Bell and it, and it drives you to a vegan place. I really want to quit Amazon. However, like yesterday I needed a luggage lock and they deliver that shit in like an hour at midnight. And I was like, God damn it. I love that. I love that. I wanted it. I didn't realize you had to clean toasters. I needed a new toaster. A day later, I had a new fucking toaster. Didn't have to go anywhere. I love it. I hate it. I hate do that you, I love it, but. Do you know how heavy those LaCroix, like, cases are? If you order 10 of them on Amazon, 
someone brings them to your door, sometimes you can convince them to leave it in your kitchen. Wait, Ira, what are you doing? You're just opening the door, he's like, a little bit further, a little bit. You're coaxing them in? Coaxing them in? I learned it from a Stormy Daniels video. <laughs> <laughs> Ira, Ira coaxes the delivery person in, gets the LaCroix into the kitchen, puts them in the fridge and says, are you thirsty? You look a little, you look a little parched. That shirt's pretty sweaty and we're off to the races. <laughs> and I want to end, Lewis, would you mind if we did a impromptu Oscars quiz? Oh, sure. John I've been drinking. We'll see how it goes. Best actor, 1978. Best actor, uh, John Boyd coming home. Oh, <laughs> That? Do you have no. the answers? He could, okay. I know he's right. Oh, you're People right. I'm probably wrong. People will check this. Check this, internet. Um, best Supporting Actor, 1999. Best Supporting Actor, 1999 is Kev... Uh, no, that's Best Actor. Best Supporting Actor is... <gasps> Sorry. Haley Joel Osment lost to Michael Caine in uh, Cider House Rolls. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> What's going on when the... Some, this Alexa's is laughing at us. Sometimes the, you have to... Sometimes another nominee will come to you, and then you're like, oh, who did I watch them lose to and pretend to like it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best Picture, 1940. Uh, the second best Hitchcock movie of all time, Rebecca. Uh, if you, you guys like Rebecca? It's one of the best movies ever. Best Actress, 1971. My favorite actress, Jane Fonda in Clues. In Clues? Yes. I love Clues. She also won for Coming Home in 78. She has seven nominations. She was nominated for They Shoot Horses, Don't They, 1969, Clues, 1971, Julia, 1977, Coming Home, 1978, China Syndrome, 1979, A Golden Pond, 1981, and The Morning After, 1986. Let's leave it there. I want to thank the, 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 the Keep It, the Keep It Squad for an awesome Love It or Leave It. Subscribe to Keep It. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, other places, because it's fantastic. It's really one of my favorite podcasts. Give it up for Kara Brown, Louis Bertel, Ira Madison III. Thank you, Austin, for coming out. Have a great night. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.